so we are on a cloud surfer. We are we're recording. On cloud. <laughs> cloud. It feels good. It feels so good. Um, yeah, so the internet issues have continued, and I decided that it was better to just come into my office than worry about getting kicked off every five minutes and having our patrons having to listen to a podcast two minutes at a time and then robot voice. <laughs> so yeah. here we are. Oh, yeah, patrons can't see. I'm in my school office. I'm on campus right now. Um, very lonely here. No one else is here. <laughs> since they since they can't see, it's really cool how you've decorated with your social security number in the background. Can you all just, over. Like, narrate for them. Yeah. It's it's just all over. Well, I I mean I think you should narrate. You see behind me <laughs> clearly. <laughs> you can provide that information. Um, oh, by the way, I want to share this tidbit because I think it happened while uh, you were having an internet hiccup um uh, yesterday in our stream but uh i forget like you were off and i somehow mentioned that I, oh yes i was going to turn back notifications on right uh-huh so that when you called i was able to answer on my computer otherwise i wouldn't be able to answer right right so i turned notifications back on and i mentioned you know i hope nobody uh sends me a text or anything with like you know a social security number in it and like not even 30 seconds later a notification pops up and it's from Erin and it says, Hey, just as a reminder, this is my social security number. And she puts out a fake number. It matches our address. One, two, three fake street. You have a good woman. <laughs> it was so the timing was so good. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, okay. okay. So first okay, so I've just started talking as if, well, apparently, patrons, you need to hear all of this because I've already started talking to you. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, therefore, let me belatedly say, welcome <laughs> to the <Woo>! time chat. <laughs> this is episode three, if we're counting, and we are. <laughs> so it's very exciting. Um, and today's theme, inspiration. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We need some jazz hands with that. Um, so first, let's just, you know, inspiration in general, what thinking inspiring for like getting into like a work mode or a work groove, what inspires you? 100% music. Absolutely. It has to be music, which is one of the reasons that doing something like, uh, like Langtime Studio, um, or even just doing the, uh, things where I record myself working. It's why they're, they're so artificial in a way, because of course we can't be listening to music. I actually okay. did, I actually did try once um, with headphones. Mm -hmm. I tried to listen to music while live streaming. Um, it just didn't work as well. Like, cause you can't be sure of the volume of your voice and you know. <laughs> and you start shouting. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know, also I like to sing along. Um, Mm -hmm. But so it's like, so yeah, it, it's not like a, 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 it's not like what I'm working like when I'm on my own, because music is going 100% of the time. Um, I got on this power metal kick in, I want to say 2013. Okay. 2013, may have been 2012. I don't know. Um, but I started listening to power metal and then in particular Finnish power metal. 
Um, and that has just kind of carried me through for the past seven years. It's been, it's been so hard to kick. Like the things I would listen to in constant rotation, you know, would be like uh, David Bowie, of course, because I love David Bowie. Um, and then uh, reggae. Um, I loved reggae. Uh, and also uh, West African, um, I don't know if you want to call it pop or jazz, but, uh, or, or I don't know, but you know, both like things like Fela Kuti and then also like uh, Baba Mal and, um, and Habib Kwate. Loved it, loved it. Uh, so, and so, oh wait, sorry, go ahead. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off from your list. I just, it makes me smile because I love how your tastes differ from mine so much. And I am just so basic. <laughs> when you're like, what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm thinking like One Republic, love them. Um, a lot of greatest course, hits. Of, of course, because they're greatest for a reason, David. Um, and, <laughs> and Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which you still can't get over, but I adore listening to them while I work. No, I know. Well, it's because... Well, it's because it seems so out of step with the rest of what you listen to. That's why. Like, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, like, if you were going to, if you're just going to put up two circles, the Jesse and the David circle, and you said one of these people listens to Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I'd say nine people out of ten are going to put that with me. Um, <laughs> it was just, it kind of blew me away. Like, it blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. And, and it actually made me wonder, why didn't you start listening to other bands that were similar? That's a really good question. Part of it is probably just lack of exposure because if I, I mean, I didn't necessarily go out of my way to discover artists in general. That's just how I am in general. I think like I don't go out of my way to discover hmm. a lot of new things in life. I don't think, you know, like even like wow. books or authors, it's more like what is in my area. And if it catches my attention, then I'm introduced to it. And so unless somebody actually introduces it to me, then I don't necessarily um, discover it. And so oh, actually Trans-Siberian Orchestra um, was introduced to me when I was working at a music store um, back in grad school. Actually, it was during undergrad. It was undergrad. Um, and I lived in Colorado every summer and worked at the Castle Rock outlet malls. And I worked at a music store there. And my boss at the time had said um, that he had told me about Trans-Siberian Orchestra because we had this um, demo CD for Beethoven's Last Night. And yes. he was telling me about it. I'm like, well, that sounds really cool. So I listened to it, fell in love with it, which is probably why it's still my favorite album of theirs. And um, he ended up actually giving me that album. So it was just sort of like this. I love them. And then the first concert that next year, I finally got to see them in concert. And I, I just been in love ever since but it was introduced to me i don't know that i ever would well now i probably would have because they have commercials on hallmark channel and you know i watch hallmark so yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> shout out for hallmark um so i probably <laughs> would have at least heard of them by now but i probably would not have had the love affair that i have had for oh my gosh 20 years now yeah yeah it's we, been like that we have been we are able to say we were in college 20 years ago Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's a lot of life. That's that's kind of nuts. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just talking yesterday to uh, the undergraduate student group at Berkeley, and um, 
and specifically, I was I was asking them for help with something uh, that we're planning for the graduates. Um, and I was like, but I need some input from people who have graduated, you know, less than, and then I was, did the math and I was like, oh, 17 years ago. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of time. <laughs> At which point I remarked, yeah, the time, the, the, the period of time from since I graduated is almost ready to vote. Oh my gosh. I think, <laughs> and right now it, um, well, actually it's this year, it's 2020 was the year. Now we're, we're crossing over that line of where the 21 year olds, cause you know, like if you go into a restaurant or a bar, there's that sign of, you can't drink if you, you know, you have to be born before this date to drink. And like yeah. just watching the years go <laughs> backwards um, or go up really. Um, right. It's so bizarre to me to think that next year someone can legally drink who was born in 2000. Like that to me is like, mm. how is that even possible? Um, yeah. And that time is so trippy. And that was not at all where this conversation was supposed to go. But there it is. Yeah. Well, we were inspired. Um, Anyway, it's so wild to hear you describe the way that you approach like things like music. Mm -hmm. Because that's how I would describe somebody else as an insult. (laughs) (laughs) But I embrace it. So you can't use it as an insult against me because I embrace that about myself. That's who I am. Look, so so like with me, for example, I remember, okay, this is the wildest story for how I got into this. I was already a big fan of metal. Let's just put it there. It was like, for me, for music, it was like the first thing in my life, it was like, you know, uh, Beach Boys and Billy Joel, right? And then it was like... uh, the type of stuff that was played on the radio in the late 80s, early 90s. So like Enya, right? Love um, Enya. Orinoco Flow was big and popular at that time. Then it was rap and I was strictly into rap um, because of course that was hot at the time. And then after that, I transitioned to like hard rock and metal where I stayed. And then at, uh, oh, let me, let me, uh, me uh, sorry. Um, a friend of mine, um, had a, an apartment for a while where we would all go over to watch the NBA playoffs and stuff. I'm going to anyway, stop you for just a second. I'm going to stop you because we did have a bit of a cutout in the middle of that sentence. And while I can go back to the recording and clean things up, I don't want to miss something you've said. It picked sure. back up when you said one day at a friend's house. Okay. Before that, it cut out in between, like when you were talking about your introduction to metal and then. Sure whatever That's happened fine. there. It's not important. So at my friend's house, we would go over to watch the NBA playoffs. This is his apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would all go and hang out. Uh, two of our friends lived there. Uh, and, and he was an IT manager at some sort of company. And, and he says, oh, Dave, I was meaning to play this for you. I thought you would like this. Because he said all of the computers, like what he had done that day, uh, all of the computers had been hacked by somebody. Um, and he was like, every single computer was just playing this. And he put up an image of, uh, of an eagle. Uh, it was like a, like an American eagle or something. And it had like a flashing background and it was playing a song that I had never heard before by a band that I had never heard of before. Um, and this song was, uh, was, it wasn't Eagle Fly Free. It was... Well, anyway, it was by Stradivarius, and it was, uh, I think it was Freedom by Stradivarius. Yes, 
it was Freedom by Stradivarius. And I listened to this song and I was like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? Where did this song come from? It's like, because you know, what it was like for me getting into metal uh, in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. This was when metal was in decline in the United States. Bands started doing experimental stuff. Metallica started releasing country songs and you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, metal bands started either going underground or doing other things. Right? Was this when Michael Jordan decided to play baseball or was that? It was, yes, it was exactly the same Very time. confusing time. Okay, go right. on. And, and so, you know, grunge and rap were in ascendance, grunge and hip hop. Um, and so uh, anyway, I, so I look up this band because I'm like, you know, what is this? It's like, it, my friend asked, she was right. He was like, Dave, I knew you'd love this. And so I look it up and it's this band called Stradivarius. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of this band. Where are they from? They're from Finland. And then I look them up and they have like this huge discography and they're hugely popular in Finland. And I start, so I start, you know, with Napster or whatever the equivalent was at the time, probably LimeWire, downloading some of their music. And I discover that, um, you know, they have a lot of music that sounds really, really good. And it sounds like it belongs in the eighties. And this is when I realized that metal, Basically, it died in the U.S., but they found it at that point in time in places like Finland, right? And they were like, this is the best thing ever. Let's just keep doing that. And so they just picked right on up. <laughs> they didn't evolve. They were like, let's just make more of this. And it was amazing. And so then I went from, you know, that Finnish band to Nightwish, from Nightwish to Epica, from Epica to, I think I added uh, Delane at that point. And then that was also when I found Sonata Arctica and then Sonata Arctica led to like all of these other bands. And this is how I do things. So I appreciate and understand and accept that you need to be exposed to things. And what I'm mm -hmm. hearing, what I believe you're saying is that you want me to put together some playlists for you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how much our, our musical tastes overlap when Don't I... Don't worry. I'm very clever when it comes <laughs> to music. Nice. It really cracks me up because that same sort of like attitude of, I don't know, insulting someone for having basic tastes sometimes, whatever. Uh, so, so sorry. No, it's, I'm, I'm it learning. Just, it's really funny um, because last night um, and our internet died so hardcore, like we couldn't do anything. So Will uh, and I were like, yeah. we wanted to watch TV, but couldn't because everything's dead. Right. So um, we ended up, I just told him to go get a DVD and we would, um, you know, watch a movie old fashioned ways and old fashioned as in DVDs. Yeah. And um, he picked out Amadeus because, um, oh. as I mentioned, never seen it? no, I had, he hadn't. So he'd never seen Amadeus before. Oh boy. And he is, you know, as you may have caught in the live stream the other day for the, the patrons who are listening, um, he plays cello. And so yeah. he has gotten like really into classical music, like way, he knows way more than I do. Um, and so it's really interesting to listen to him talk about it. So as we... <laughs> we're watching he pauses the movie at one point to do a breakdown of composers and like who how he ranks them and who his favorite is and why and all this it's vivaldi in case you're wondering oh, um, because apparently vivaldi was very progressive i don't know what that means in terms of classical music but he was mm -hmm. and so um i had said well my favorite is beethoven and my mm -hmm. favorite piece by beethoven is moonlight sonata and oh. Nice he, he stops and looks at me with all of the attitude of a 
teenage boy and was like, <laughs> please tell me you're not one of those people that only knows the first movement. <laughs> now because yes. i actually do like beethoven and i really do like moonlight sonata i was able to say no i actually like i actually had bought a cd of the whole thing um by a, a pianist and so like i had heard the entire thing and so i know the entire piece not just the famous first movement but it just cracked me up because he was just like, I get so tired of how people say this is my favorite classical song, but they only know the popular bits. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> I'm like, wow, wow. He should talk to Doug Ball. Oh, is he into classical music? I mean, he's a composer and also, yeah, just that's pretty much all he listens to. I remember we were talking one day because, you know, we bond over conlinging and sports, right? Yes. And, yes. and music too. Yes, and music to an extent, but like, I think at one point in time, I was trying to, I, I in fact, it was a Sonata Arctica song, and I was like, you got to check out this song. It changes keys like three times, and it's so weird, and anyway, we were talking, and it was like, oh, yeah, well, I don't listen to music with lyrics. <laughs> he's like, like, that was just tawdry. <laughs> well, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I would actually like to talk to Will about classical music too, because I, I'm not like, you know, a poet asker when it comes to classical music, but I haven't got the extensive, like, you know, knowledge of it, like somebody like Doug does, or like somebody like right. I do about something like metal. Right. Um, and so I, I have my preferences and tastes and they're specific, like, like Tchaikovsky is one of my all-time favorites mm -hmm. um, but the way that I talk about it is very unsophisticated and it was kind of fun so like I refer to the second movement of Beethoven's Ninth as the shark attack nice because that's what it just feels like to me and, I, and it just makes more sense to me to call it the shark attack movement um, and the my favorite classical piece I still am not quite 100% sure what it's called because I always mix it up with something else because they always have the worst titles. And it's like, you know, you know, uh, Sonata for Strings in Keys. Like, that's not a title. It's mm -hmm. ridiculous. Uh, and there's probably like a million of those. So I, I was at a conference in Spain called mm -hmm. El Ser Creativo, which was very interesting for a number of reasons. I got some wild stories from that. But in this one, I was going to be, uh, I, was not in, I was not in a section with, like we were grouped into speaker sections. Right. But one of the speakers there was a violinist, a young guy, he was about our age, uh, maybe a little younger, uh, from LA, um, who specifically worked with, you know, at-risk youth, teaching them about classical music and teaching them how to play the violin and things like that, teaching them music appreciation. Anyway, so... <laughs> I, um, and we were in a taxi going to some event for this and it was me and, and Aaron and, and him. And, and I said, hey, my favorite classical piece, it's that one, it's with violin, it's by Tchaikovsky and it's the one where it goes like, do you know that one? And that he's one. like, yes. And he <laughs> says, this is the exact title. Like that's the one. He's like, I, I, and I said, I've always wanted to hear that one. And he said that there was actually a very good, uh, you know, group that performed it fairly regularly at uh, the Performing Arts Center near my home every year. Oh, wow. So I, 
I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet because I want to take Meridian, but we're going to get there. But I'm going to nice. get there. Very exciting. Anyway, I love the Nutcracker. I okay. love the Nutcracker. I love the Pas de Deux. I thought it was brilliant. And I thought it was even more brilliant the way he wrote it. Okay, so get this. I don't know if Will knows this one. If, this, if he doesn't know this one, you can share this with him later. Mm -hmm. The Pas de Deux. Everything in the Nutcracker. It's the one that goes da 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 da. You familiar? Well, I I will say yes. Um, I know that I know it, and he knows it because Chris loves the Nutcracker. And so for oh. Christmas um, this year, his Christmas gift from Will is he learned pas de deux on the cello and played it for him. <gasps> oh my God! Okay, so d that's wonderful. All right, does he know the story about how it was written? I have no idea. <laughs> Okay, so then ask him about it. Ask him if he knows how it was written. If it's not, you can, you can lay this one on him. Okay. It was a dare. What? It was written on a dare. Somebody dared Tchaikovsky, said, I bet you can't make a popular song that uses the major scale with all the notes in order as its main theme. And Tchaikovsky wow. said, I will accept it if I can do it in either order, either ascending or descending. And the guy said, fine. And then he created Pod to Do because that piece, it's the major scale backwards. Da, 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 wow. Da, 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 da. That's it. That's amazing. Ah, blew me away. Oh, anyway. So that's so I, cool. I would love to actually, I would actually love to hear him perform it if he ever recorded it. I will have to see if he, if he will be willing to do so. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Okay, so we... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Talked about music. <laughs> and, and it is really good. You know, I actually find it really interesting because um, when I was younger, I couldn't work without background noise. Like it would actually, if it were totally silent, it, it was like my brain couldn't concentrate. So like I used to have to turn That's on, too, you know, yeah. like the TV in the background or music in the background. Now that I'm older, it's not that I, you know, can't work with music because I do often work with music or whatever in the background but I find that there are times I'm so engrossed in my work that I didn't realize the music stopped playing like two hours before and so like it's mm. really interesting to me that now whenever I get in my zone like some I'm like so oblivious to what's going on outside me um that I don't even have anything on it's just silent and it's me working it's crazy. Nice. I, I am impressed. Let me lay this one on you before we move on, just real quick. Yes. Kate Chopin, the author. Mm -hmm. uh, are you familiar? She wrote The Awakening. That was her big novel. Yes. Um, apparently, she wrote uh, what she would do was um, she would like literally just make dinner for her children and husband and then would write after dinner in the parlor just on a side table by hand. While all of her children were still around and her husband was still there and they would be talking to her and asking things of her, she would just sit down and write, like right there. Nice. That's God tier. I can't imagine. I wish. Yeah, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was actually planning on taking this discussion another way, but now I'm liking oh. this inspiration route. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to save what I had actually planned as my questions, my list of questions. Okay. I'm going to save that for our next podcast episode Ooh. and instead go on a tangent here. Yes. Um, <laughs> because why not? Why not? 
Um, okay, so music inspires you. Mm. Excellent. I also need to know, this was a random question I had written down, and I feel like this is something that we just have to discuss. So randomly switching gears for just one moment, do you have a favorite word? Mm, you, you mean like in a language or like in anything? Anything. Favorite word. Uh, I don't. I have least favorite words. I know we've talked about that, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but no but, favorite words. Not really, to be honest. Um, I uh, there are words that I like for intellectual reasons. For example, I love looking up the word for butterfly in every language because yes. it's always interesting. It's never mm -hmm. boring, mm -hmm. uh, and so I just find that really cool looking up whatever the word for butterfly is in whatever language. I mean, it's just really cool. What's it going to be in a rabbit language? Oh, I can't wait to talk about butterflies now. It is a fair question. And, you know, the, the it's it's funny, the way I've conceived this world, right? So we just have the, the first, you know, five species, right? Right. But, of course, that stuff is going to get out and mutate others. So there could be oh. butterfly butterfly people. Oh, my gosh. I We have to. We have to. That's <laughs> going to be a sixth language. I I just have to. Um, There's so many. Do you because, have a and, word? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and this was interesting because one of my students, my past students, um, was texting me the other day, and I had actually come across a word that I didn't know existed in English, braviloquent, mm. and it means to be concise, right, from brevis, short, or, you know, yeah, short, and then loquent from that speaking kind of Latin root, and it was just like, it's just so pretty. Now, if you look it up in the dictionary, I don't think the connotation is all that great because I think it means more on the terse side of being concise, but it's just uh, braviloquent. So anyway, she had texted me. She's like, she's in love with the word and she has now brought braviloquence to life. Um, and we're, we've just decided we're going to make it positive because it's beautiful. And um, she had said her favorite word was serendipity and it had been her favorite word for a very long time. But now mm -hmm. braviloquence is like coming up there for it and it made me wonder because so many of my students because i deal with you know students who think about language a lot do have like particular words that they just super love and it made me curious from a conlinger point of view because there are definitely english words i love but i also know that there are certain things when it comes to conlanging that like features I get stuck on because I like them so much, or, you know, like this has to have a word for this because I like it like a butterfly I have to have a word for it because I like them. Um, mm. And I just think that's kind of interesting to see like how having favorite patterns or features in languages could end up crossing over into languages. So I'm going to say two things. Number Only one, two. I'm, gonna, I'm counting them. I'm going to, Number one is I'm going to ruin the word braviloquence. No, you're not. No. Nope. Having problems with low T? Try braviloquence. <laughs> Ask your doctor. <laughs> why? Why would you? Why? I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's just when you said proviloquent, I'm like, oh my God, that, that fits the pattern for these new pharmaceuticals. <laughs> but it's proviloquent and it's beautiful and you can't, you can't take the beauty away from proviloquent. 
<laughs> and the worst part is it probably would be spelled uh, B-R-A-V-O-L-O-Q-U-I-N-T-Z, reviloquence. With maybe, like, I feel like there has to be a Y up up front. You're right. Too. Like, it's, we've got to have the Y first and foremost. After the V, after the V. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. You're right. Wow. Um, but no, thank you. It is not, <laughs> that does not ruin it. Um, I thought you were going to okay. like really ruin it for me for real. Like you knew how, uh, you know, like the connotation angle of ruining such a pretty word anyway. Oh yeah. It was, it was, a, it's a disgusting story. It was named after Harry Breviloquent and he was just such an awful man. And <laughs> I know you're, I know you're lying about that because I have already researched its origins. P.S. Have you ever researched the origins of meniscus? No. It is from the Greek diminutive of moon. And so it, it means little moon, the crescent, oh. which is why the, and in case anyone's listening going meniscus, I know I've heard that before, but who the heck talks about menisci? Is that the plural? Meniscuses? Um, it's like that, that curve shape that a water droplet has um, at the top of it. That's considered the meniscus where like the water meets the air. It's that like edge oh. of water, if you will. Yeah. I mean, sports fans uh, hear the word a lot uh, in the context of meniscus tear. Because it's also a ligament. So I was not thinking, or not a ligament, but something cartilage or something in the joint, something. I, I honestly don't know. Like, okay. it's the type of thing where it's like, I absolutely know the name of it. Like, we know lots of those things as sports fans, because, in fact, I bet it. a sports fan is more likely to be able to tell you how long a player will be out with a meniscus tear than to tell you what the hell it is. Well, and okay, so let's talk. Okay, let's, you never <laughs> got to your number two, but moving forward, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll come back. Um, this is also another thing um, that natural languages do that I always, it's so hard to emulate in a conlang because you're sort of forcing it because you have to be forcing it because you're like actually creating it. But like in natural languages, how did we get from little moon to meniscus at the edge of the water to cartilage, whatever it is in the joint? And like that journey, it goes on where it's like one word sort of shifting shape and meaning um it, it just blows my mind sort of like the other day when i was like wait pith from the fruit the orange pith and pithy to be pithy <laughs> it's it's the same source but like who thought one day oh if i describe you as pithy that means you have a lot of pith like in the orange like who who did that first anyway <laughs> like do you not just get um, lost in words it, it's it's uh, it is a daunting and not 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 humiliating, but I guess uh, what's what's the word? It, it's intimidating prospect being a conlanger, yes. Because you look at these older words and where they came from, and realize that somebody with a lot with access to a lot less knowledge than you did mm -hmm. came up with this word for this reason, and it's just like how how like. We can come up with a bunch of words for stuff now for the stuff we don't know. We'll just look it up on Wikipedia and come up with them. But it's like, I, I can only imagine that just one day, you know, you know, Greekimus comes to his friend Egrimus and says, hey, my father died. 
and eagerness is all like hey can i see that body i'm gonna like cut it up and look at the stuff inside it and then give it names <laughs> oh that looks like a little moon thing let's do it meniscus <laughs> you you getting this you getting this greekimus yeah i'm writing it down and i know that's exactly how it happened i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure but that is that is one thing um whenever we start because obviously like i think somebody had said something about um coming up with a word for heart and you had stopped and and said in our rabbit language there was that connection and you had said but wait do they was there a surgeon do they know what's inside and that is such a big thing that we take for granted is you know all these words that we have for technical things because we know they exist and then trying to think of if i had discovered that what would i have named it um and it probably would have been something like what you see in a pharmaceutical commercial i would have been like every one of my favorite letters is going into this word <laughs> and it will be pronounced the way i want it to be pronounced because doggone it i found it <laughs> I, I imagine it'd be a little different with animals because it's be like you know they're just hopping along and said like oh dang bob's getting eat up yeah he is that's a shame what do you think that is <laughs> you know and and that is very true but then do they make the connection of seeing the carnage potentially gnawing on the carnage if they have some hair blood in them um and do they make that connection then to this may be what this does inside my body um you would just name it as an object because you wouldn't know necessarily what it did and so, yeah, yeah, you would look for commonalities between things you already know, but like, then that means we're going to have to research what the organs look like because what does a rabbit heart look like? I don't know. <laughs> Probably going to be named based on their level of chewiness. Oh, oh I do not want to know. <laughs> like, I'm going to, wow. I'm going to be. Uh, that wolf is really chewing on that thing. <laughs> I'm going to be very ghosty that day. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'll come back when we're done. <laughs> All these poor animals. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let's go back. What was number one? Oh yeah. So number two was. I mean, it was kind of similar to what I what I what I brought up, but uh, it is. This is another one of my conlinger worries. So I mean, the one conlinger worry is that I don't have. I don't have enough knowledge of what it would be like to explore the world at a time when we had a lot less technology. Right. So I'm not sure if I'm sensibly coining words in a way that would be realistic. But uh, another one is that, and this is more of a top level concern, is that uh, you don't recognize the patterns that you fall into as a language okay. creator. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm often asked if there, you know, if like I, if I have a signature of the things I often do, I'm said like, well, that's not really a question I'm supposed to answer. It's a question that somebody who studies my stuff is supposed to answer. Uh, and frankly, I don't want to see what the answer is because I'll probably be embarrassed. Be like, oh, I did that in every language. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then you're like avoid it for every language thereafter or yeah. or you defiantly embrace it like i do with my love of what music i do love defiantly embrace it and say that's me <laughs> <laughs> that's what you got to do and say yes i do have that sound in every language i do have a word like that in every language why because i like it 
<laughs> or or it's like uh, even better you just create a little private language on your own where you do all the things you never do and it's like oh you're doing that again it's like yeah well i just did you know the opposite of that i, I just did this other thing obviously you don't know all my work <laughs> yeah it's it, it, the the opposite happened all the time and being just don't know about it did you do that word on purpose because you know i'm trying to get a recording with a transcript of this and you're waiting to see what happens with that word is are you <laughs> are you doing this to me on purpose i forgot and we're already spelling braviloquent and everything do you think it's got braviloquent loaded up there <laughs> uh it'll be really interesting to see what it, what it does and how many things i have to fix guy. You said menisci. What do you think it's going to do with menisci? I, I think it's going to do men in sky. All right. Three words. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. Because this is the same transcription software, by yeah. the way, that I sent you the picture. Um, it was a sentence that was supposed to say it does indeed pass, but it came out as doesn't he pass. And it was very confusing when you're trying to read and understand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty misogynistic algorithm. Let's just admit that. Because how, how did it change your name? It changed it to the spelling that you would typically associate with a, a male Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, yes. That's right. It looked at it and said, somebody's getting promoted to full professor. <laughs> Can't be female. No way. But didn't you used to always spell my name that way, David? Yeah, that was done maliciously. That <laughs> was back when we were bitter enemies. Oh, yeah. good days. Uh, when, when we were bitter enemies and only I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> because I was fangirling too hard. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. The only way, the only way to, to live out, to live through the shame of it is to endlessly mock myself about it for the rest of my life. It's fine. That's good. <laughs> okay, so now that people listening along may be confused, do you want to share some of that or let that be a just know that at one point there was enemy ship? <laughs> but yeah, only I, one half. It was it was wild. I had a hate board, your pictures were all over it. Yeah. <laughs> and like please tell me there was a dartboard. <laughs> Yeah, and it was, it was just the type of thing where, you know, it's a very normal thing where it's like right before I go to sleep, I stare at your photo and just hate it for five minutes and then I go to sleep and then I wake up in the morning and I do the same thing right when I wake up and I can brush my teeth and I go about my day, you know? I mean, th that sometimes is the best way <laughs> to start the day. <laughs> Who needs positivity and mindfulness and meditation when you've, oh, no. <laughs> when you've got vengeance? The best part of waking up is vengeance in your cup. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was just singing the Folgers song. I'm glad that you yep. went that direction. <laughs> yes, um, but to, I'll I'll give I'll give the short version. Essentially, there was a time when I was tremendously jealous of of Jesse uh, because here she was teaching a coddling class uh, at a university something that was like my dream and i was just disgusted especially because there's there had been a trend this is a trend of of, of linguists who'd never conlang before teaching conlang classes it turns out uh, jesse was not one of those but i didn't know that at the time i made some key assumptions 
there there may be a a photo with us that uh, shows me expressing some tremendous negative energy <laughs> i was wondering if you caught that yeah did you see how i'm leaning away from you yes <laughs> it's and this fake smile all over your face like do i have to stand here <laughs> oh my god it our was... first picture together everyone <laughs> Of of all things, this, this is this is kind of a weird coincidence, but uh, my grandfather uh, went late in life and got his uh, his degree in um, not clinical psychiatry but psychology, mm -hmm. uh, and he's and he's worked as a psychologist since then, and he has a lot of books on psychology, and he had a big library, and so periodically I would want to borrow some of his books, and one of the books I borrowed was a part of a series. Uh, which, for whatever reason, they were like introductory uh, psychology topics that had like almost cartoonish covers. So it's like almost like they were being marketed to kids, but they were not kids books. They were right. very, anyway, one of these books was about the psychology of photographs. Oh. And, and I read it and I learned a lot about how to analyze photographs and the dynamics between people based on their expression and their stance and how far and close they're standing to one another. Right. And so like, I've just kind of carried that knowledge along with me for years. Like I read that as a, as a teenager. And so it's like, you showed me that photo, <laughs> our first photo together. I'm looking at, I'm like, Oh God, that is so humiliating. But I was like, but surely nobody else will notice. Who else, who else has read this book? Who knows about the psychology of photographs? Well, now a lot of people do because, you know, oh. all of our patrons, <laughs> our, our growing base now knows. <laughs> and I think I'm going to have to share that photo as one of the resources. You're right. It's going to have to go up with this podcast. To say, <laughs> this is the, the epic photo. Oh. More recent I, photos were much more positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, actually, yeah, we should put up that other one that, well, that I showed you for <laughs> so you could see the change. <laughs> it's amazing what friendship does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is great. And when, when you all do see the photo, um, you're going to see me with a bunch of people, a bunch, there's four other people, um, with yeah. the same shirt on. And those were my students from... Well, some of my students from um, the Conlane class that David was mentioning um, from one particular semester, that would have been the, the 2013 semester whenever yeah. I first met David at the Language Creation Conference. And so my, I had a handful of students who were able to go to Austin. So it was like a five, five and a half hour drive for us. So I had a handful of students who were able to go and we had a class t-shirt. And so we all decided that day, like we would show up in our class t-shirt and it was very exciting. And David was super stoked to meet me, and it was like on his bucket list what I need to do. Oh man! Uh, oh, did, did you drive all that way? Yeah, yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense because it's like, do you want to drive five hours to a place or two hours to an airport, and then wait for two hours to get on your plane? Yeah, I think yeah. I'll probably still take the plane, but yeah. But. <laughs> But not only that, but it costs more. You just drive. Yeah, I, I guess. Did you did you come with uh, with all of your students? Were you all in the same car? Did you caravan? No. So they actually um, all came sort of separately. Some of them went together, but a lot of them have friends in the Austin area, so they wanted to go stay with their friends and actually extend all weekend and you know like yeah. turn it into a, a, an event. 
Um, one of my students needed a ride to Austin, so um, I had driven him up to Austin, um, but then he hooked up with the other students and you know went their direction. Um, so yeah, it was we were all sort of <laughs> migrating west <laughs> <laughs> for course, that conference. Wait. Really quickly, you know what I would have done? Uh, I would have had my cool, awesome pilot husband fly me from Nacogdoches to Austin. Okay, so that does, I know it sounds cool <laughs> to people listening. It does. But it actually costs more money to fly than you may think because you have to, we don't own a plane. So like you got to pay the hourly rate on a plane, which is not cheap. Mm -hmm. And then you got to tie down and you've got to pay to tie down at an airport. Then mm -hmm. I also have to get their rental car to be mm -hmm. able to leave the airport because once I'm there, I don't have a car. <laughs> and we did then Uber didn't exist at that time. Right. And so, you know, like it's, it sounds, Oh, why don't you just fly? But unless you actually own the plane and have people at the other end, it's not always, easier and so yeah no i just drove I, I never said it would be easy i only <laughs> said it would be worth it i okay so i actually um i can't maybe it's just i need to be in them more i get plane sick i don't get car sick i get little plane sick big planes don't bother me but little planes oh. with emotions in the air i i cannot be in one for more than i think the longest i've made it is a little over an hour um and Dang. then I was like, I'm ready to be on the ground again. A hundred percent opposite for me. I hate, I hate being in a car. I hate, hate being in a car. Well, then I'm glad every time you visit, I get to take you on a two and a half hour car drive to the airport. <laughs> well, that's the thing though. I mean, being, uh, being in the car with somebody else, uh, especially somebody you like to be in the car with, that makes it, that makes it all the better. Okay. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Oh, uh-huh. Let's, okay, so we've just devolved into story hour. Let's yep. tell a little story about what happens when you drive to the airport in East Texas, mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere, and a logging truck has overturned on the interstate, shutting down oh the entire God. interstate for both directions. Let's talk I forgot about, that. Oh about the two and a half hour trip that turned into... Well, it took me almost four hours to get you there, which meant you also yeah. missed your flight because it took yes. us so long to get there that our two-hour window for the flight was gone. Um, and so you ended up, because you were leaving from Houston to go to another school in Texas. Yeah. And I think you ended up having to drive that whole way um, this, or, or yeah. take a taxi or something, which meant you were in the car all freaking day. Oh, yeah. So this, this is what I did, and I'm still so mad about this. So I actually did arrive at the airport before my flight was going to take off. And this was a small flight, right? So this is a flight from Houston to Victoria, Texas, which it's like, I can honestly understand if there are people in Texas who've never heard of Victoria, Texas. Uh -huh. it's, it's a small, small place. So it was a small airplane. And they, there was only like two flights, you know, uh, you know, twice a day. That was it commuter flight. Anyway, I get there and, you know, I'm running my ass off and it's 15 minutes before the flight leaves. And it's like, I'm here. And then they're like, oh no, we've already closed the doors. But like, I can literally look out the window and see the plane. It's sitting there. Mm -hmm. They actually ended up leaving five minutes late, but I'm like, please, I'm right here. Can I just get on the plane? 
Like, there's no other plane. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And then at one point in time, the guy just walks away. Like, as I'm talking oh. to him, like, he's just done with me. So he just walks away, walks to the back, and that was it. And there was so nobody rude. else there. So there was rude. nobody at the counter. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? So it's like I got on the, the phone with somebody over Victoria. I explained the situation to them. And I explained to them the logging truck. And uh, of all things, like, because, you know, it was it was a bit of a drive. Uh, they were like, you know, I was like, it's going to be very expensive to take a taxi the whole way. And so somebody there out of the kindness for her said, okay, this is what we'll do. Uh, there is this spot that is halfway between. I'll drive there right now. You take a taxi there right now. And then we'll, we'll switch and split the difference. So I, I showed up late uh, and there was a big house party, like the, the Dean's house or something. Like most of the food had been eaten. Oh, because I was late. like, I think I was like two and a half, three hours late. Oh. Many people had left. Um, you know, I, I gave my talk the next day and everything. It was actually very interesting because I think I told you that they had a horseshoe uh, museum there. Yes, you not, did. Uh, not, sorry, not horseshoe, not horseshoe, branding, yes. branding iron, branding mm -hmm. iron, right. Um, in addition to the crazy story about the uh, the Spanish ship that was sunk there and the people yes. that walked to Canada. Anyway, but yeah, man, that that sucked because it like it was going to be so perfect because I was mm -hmm. going to be like I'm already going to be in Texas anyway. I can just do this mm -hmm. really quick and really easy. And then this this guy in this logging truck, and I'm pretty sure this is actually what happened. He just says to you know the guy on the radio says hey hey bet you can't tip over your logs said, i'll show you <laughs> show you how to tip these over yeah so and i don't even know if i told you about my return trip from dropping you off because there's really there's no other way to really get to the airport except on that interstate mm -hmm. um and so even all the little back roads dump back out on the interstate so like, there's really not a good way to avoid it so i was stuck again in a line on the way back while we're in a line not moving mind you or if we do move it's like five miles an hour for 20 feet and then you stop the person behind me freaking rear-ended me what yeah <sighs> yeah i'm like we're in a stopped line of traffic and you just slam on your gas <laughs> What? Oh my God. So, oh. yeah, so I had to get my car fixed after that because, I mean, rear, like, rear ended me. It was, and of course, like, nobody can make it to the accident site. So, thankfully, they were honest people and showed me their insurance information. And when insurance called, they were like, yeah, that happened. Um, and so it was all okay. But <laughs> it was the longest day because that normally it would be a five hour round trip. And I was in the car for over 10 hours that day. <laughs> it's just like, this is, I'm so done. Uh, but it did mean that the next time I drove you to the airport, I think we left like eight hours early because I was like, <laughs> it's like if we get stuck on the interstate. Oh, Lord. So for another con Lang Truman State connection, uh, I had a, a kind of little accident that it involved Doug Ball. I, I still feel really bad about this, but um the previous time that I had driven somebody to the airport, it was Erin, uh, mm -hmm. and she was going uh, up to visit her family. And I get on and I start driving on our freeway, and I realize 
after about mm, 20 minutes because we were leaving late that I had gotten on the 405 North to go to LAX, but her flight left from Orange County, which required me to take the 405 South. Oh no. Already late, I drove 20 minutes in the wrong direction. And so it's like, I get off and you know, I hurry back the other way, but indeed she missed her flight and she was stuck at the airport for like an hour and a half before she could take the next one. So fast forward to the LSA that was in Anaheim. Uh Uh, Doug Ball was staying with us because he was at the LSA. Uh-huh. And uh, it just so happened that that was NFL playoff weekend. Um, and so it was like, cool, we'll get to watch some games. And we were watching a game between the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Uh, and it's about like Doug's leaving from Orange County. So this is an airport that's like 20 minutes from my house, maybe, usually yeah. like 15 minutes. And it's about three and a half hours until his flight takes off. And we're in the middle of the game. And I say, hey, Doug, you know what? We should really leave. <laughs> And he's like, why? I was like, I just want to make sure you get there on time. The last time I took somebody to the airport, it was Aaron and she missed her flight. It was a disaster. And it was like, all right. So he kind of like begrudgingly left, even though we're in the middle of watching this game. We listened to the rest of it um, as we were driving there. And it just so happened it was a rather famous or at least infamous game because um, for whatever reason, I guess the holder for uh the cowboys was out and so tony romo their quarterback was the holder uh and they just had to kick a a very a chippy field goal to either tie it or win it in the last second Uh Uh, and tony romo was the holder and the long snapper gives it back to him and tony romo fumbles the hold the the kick doesn't go off the cowboys lose in an absolute shocker and we had to listen to it on the radio as we were pulling into the airport Anyway, it turned out I got there so early and that Doug felt, uh, or the, the people there felt so sorry for Doug that they let him take an earlier flight. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. It was ridiculous. Anyway. Oh, airport. Always, always fun when you have to go to the airport. <laughs> so, I think, I think we've been inspired today. <laughs> Like I said, I had a whole plan, but plans, you know, go awry. And for people still listening, thank you for listening, even through any of the potential hiccups, because I know it's paused even a couple more times, but I just let it happen because that's technology and that's life. And so thank you for making it to the end. Um, We will wrap up here and join you again in a month to talk about you know the rest of what i had written down and it will be yeah (laughs) i can't wait i can't wait (laughs) out of the i'm guessing out of the five questions i have written down our next one will get through half of one (laughs) (laughs) not even a whole one (laughs) just half i love when i go in over prepared (laughs) and end up going wait oh fun side story okay sorry this is one more devolving side story. Do it. Um, so, but it has to do with being prepared and a level of being prepared. So my very first time ever teaching, um, it was the fall of 2005 and I was a grad student at Boulder and I was supposed to be a teaching assistant that fall for like one of the big classes. And so I was just going to be in charge of the recitations, right? So only those mm-hmm. little meetings, someone else was teaching the class two weeks before the semester begins, 
um, this person who was scheduled, another grad student was scheduled to teach their English grammar class. And like at the last minute had a different job offer. And so they were like, well, I'm going to take this because it pays more money. And it totally made sense. But that meant they needed someone to cover this class. And so they asked me to mm. do it. I had never taught a class before. Never. Wow. Like, never been in charge of a class. You know, I've given presentations before I had done things like that, but I had never been in charge of a class. So I had a lot of support, you know, like I had colleagues give me syllabi and materials, the books were already chosen. So like I had all of those elements in place. Except here's the thing, like going in day one, you like, you need more information than you may think to teach a 50 minute class. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had typed up my notes. I had like everything I wanted to say. I have pages and pages of notes and I'm thinking, okay, I've got everything planned out. I've got my lecture. I get in, I'm going through, got all my information, going through page after page, giving examples, nobody's stopping me. So I keep going. And then I stop, I get to the end of my notes. I look up at the clock. We're 12 minutes into class and I have nothing more to say. <laughs> <laughs> and so I literally just look around. Does anyone have any questions? No one raises their hand. So I said, well, then I'll see you next time. <laughs> because I had no idea what to do <laughs> for 38 minutes. Oh, man. <laughs> so it was great. Um, I figured it out after a while and I figured out how to appropriately plan out my time. And now I usually go way long and I don't realize we're past the time. But yeah, that was my first day. It just, that, that kind of blew me away. I was not expecting to have a problem with time management in that way. <laughs> <laughs> the little things you don't think about <laughs> if you've never taught before. And with that, with that, we do need to bid adieu and go on. And so any final notes? I need to start thinking of final notes in advance. Anything pithy to offer in a uh, reveloquent manner? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly though, I, I guess the only thing I could say is get ready for episode four when we do episode three for real. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> it'll be like 3a 3b 3c by the time we get to 3w we'll just give up and say yeah i think that was <laughs> that was a wrap thousand and one podcasts <laughs> yes but thank you all for being here and being wonderful patrons and we will see you soon on our live stream 